It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you so much for joining me this morning as we roll through November, but we're not rolling into ice anytime soon for some, well, 50 plus years that I've tracked it. I have always measured when the first ice came to the marshes of northern Illinois because it was relevant to my desire to go duck hunting. And we have two kinds of ice. We've got morning skim ice, and then we have more serious ice. And here we are on the 14th of November, and we haven't really even had any skim ice. It's unbelievable. And that's true across the country. However, go north of the border, and it's really cold. Winnipeg, the Pa, Regina, Saskatoon. They're all well into the early grips of winter, but it's been a very mild fall so far in the Midwest. That can change any day, but but we've gotten this far with with really the fact that we've had no sheet ice in the morning is remarkable. Uh, I'm going to start off with a story. Sometimes I like to do that, and I hope you all enjoy it. Just take a moment, and the story I'm going to call, entitle it, I'm going to entitle it Special Times. And I had a very, very special time, a very, very special morning, a very special few hours this week as I shared a duck blind with two individuals, one of whom is an absolute legend in conservation for his work in helping to protect waterfowl and wetlands across North America, and the other, also a legend for his many years of duck hunting and being able to shoot quickly and well. Both of these gentlemen now are well into their 80s, and we sat on a marsh in a blind, actually over a flooded cornfield, and we had had the kind of morning that I don't care what it is you do. If you just sit on a park bench and watch nature, whether it's the squirrels or whether it's birds, Whatever it might be, we had a morning we will never forget. Not only did I cherish so very much the company of these two gentlemen and long, long time friends, but what I cherished was being in a blind with them on a day that we, we simply saw an aerial spectacle, the likes of which is rarely repeated. Thousands of ducks got out of the flooded cornfield when we walked in. It was light when we walked in. We could see them. We sat in the blind. Our intent wasn't so much to shoot a lot of ducks as it was just to be in the blind watching something that we all love so very much in which these two gentlemen have spent their lifetime enjoying, pursuing, preserving, trying to make better, and being leaders in conservation. and. The ducks put on a show for us. They came back towards the flooded corn in small groups, sometimes in groups of 50 to 100. At times, there were so many ducks in the air, not that we would have done it. We simply said to each other, too many ducks to shoot. And for two and a half hours, we watched this spectacle. Occasionally, when a duck was just 
perfectly decoying, we took the shot. Otherwise, we just watched in wonderment what can happen in the fall on a perfect day with the bright sun, plenty of wind, the sun and wind both being largely at our backs, when mallards just by the hundreds and, and in totality by the thousands flew over us, not miles high, but anywhere from 50 to 100 to 200 yards high in a never-ending stream of birds coming off the rest area, flying into the flooded corn, flying over us to other fields to feed. It, 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 it was the kind of morning that I very seldom have the pleasure of sharing with, with two individuals that I care so much about and who've spent their entire lives in marshes from northern Canada across the United States and working in conservation. So I, I share that story because whether it's a day in a pheasant field, whether it's a morning watching, walking along the lake with someone you really care about, whether whatever it is in the outdoors, there's a magical time that you won't forget. And for us this morning, it was one of those magical times when everything that you hoped for when duck hunting took place. Great weather, a tremendous number of birds, and just the banter that goes with individuals that have spent their lives in the outdoors and the jokes that are told and the stories. And it, it, it's what it's all about. And for those of you who, who love to hunt or fish, I think you know what I'm saying. It's, it's very, it's never about the quantity that you put in the boat or that you, your dog retrieved for you in the blind or that you, your dog retrieved for you in a pheasant field or in walking the grouse woods of northern Wisconsin. It's not that. It's the company. It's being in nature and seeing something truly special. We had that truly special experience this week, and, and I know many of you have had it, and, and the purpose of this story, as I said, is to remind ourselves that these experiences are fleeting. When you really, really have a special day, when a dog does something perfectly, when a rooster flushes perfectly, when a grouse thunders from the cover, just as you hoped it would, when a duck, or in this case, hundreds of ducks work the field just as you hope they would. That's what you remember. So whether you're sitting on a bench or walking the lakeshore or whatever you're doing, if you do it with somebody special in the outdoors, I just think it has, it has that much more meaning. And I'm very glad that I had that privilege this week with two gentlemen who, as I said, are, have as much experience in a duck marsh at this point as any two individuals alive and have given so much of their lives to ensuring that the things we enjoy in the outdoors can continue. Shifting from that magical morning, I want to talk for a little bit about the cost of something. We're all hearing about inflation, but how about the cost of shotgun shells, if you can find them? And I, you can't turn on the TV now without, or the radio, uh, or your internet, without somebody or something talking about inflation. It's real for those of us in the outdoors, too. Whether it's the cost of gas to go to your hunting camp or your fishing lodge or camp. In this case, it was the sticker shock I received when I went to buy a box of 28-gauge shotgun shells. 
I walked into the sporting goods store. These shells last year were $6.95. Simple upland load. That's all I wanted for some quail shooting. There were two boxes on the shelf. I said, why are there only two boxes? He said, I only put two boxes out at a time because I'll only allow customers to buy two boxes at a time. He said, I have a lot in the back room, but if I put them out, one customer would come in and take them all. He said, I'm through with people trying to hoard shotgun shells. They've been doing it to me for nine months. He said, we all know the supply chain is really strained. So he said, my idea is, you know what? You can come in and buy two boxes at a time. You can come in and buy two boxes every other day, but you can't come in and buy a case and walk out of here and deprive somebody else the opportunity to go hunting. And I thought, you know, that's, first of all, I agree with them. There are people who literally can't find shotgun shells because so many individuals have cases now in their basement because they were worried they wouldn't be able to get them. And the supply chain problem is real. But that $5.95 box of shells a year ago, when I, he went up to the register, I said, okay, well, if I only need a box. I'll leave the other box for somebody else who needs it. I, one box of shells on quail is going to be plenty for me for what I was doing that day. $22.50. He rang it up in the register. I said, I said you got to be kidding me. He said, no. He said, $22.50. I said, that same box was I bought from you last year was five ninety five. He said, yep. I said, it did not cost you four times more to buy that box of shells this year than it did last year. I said, I, I know a little bit about this. Your cost didn't go up four times. He looked at me and he smiled and he said, yeah, but yours did. And so I paid $22 plus for the box of shells. I didn't have a choice. I, I, I suppose I did have a choice. I could have worked my dog and simply walked the field, but it's more fun when you work your dog and walk the field during quail season with a, with a gun in your hand and, and, and actually some shells in the gun. But this is what's going on across America. Sportsmen and women, if they can find shotgun shells, are paying prices three, four times what they've, what they've paid over many years. The price of shotgun shells has remained relatively cheap. In fact, it's declined in a lot of cases. And all of a sudden, it's four times what we paid. This is all part of what's going on, and, and everything from buying waders to fishing rods, whatever it is we're trying to buy is in short supply. But for those of you going hunting this fall, if you need bird shot for your shotgun shells, for your shotgun, I suggest you try to find it and be prepared to pay a price that you, you've never paid. I mean, paying over $22 for a simple 28-gauge quail load it's it's unheard of. And let's hope by a year from now, it'll still be unheard of because nobody will need to do that. The supply of shotgun shells will be back to where it was. People won't be hoarding them. But for right now, and while shotgun shells are absolutely the cheapest part of a hunt, and I reminded myself of that when I, well, actually, I was reminded of that when I got in my truck and I said, you can't believe what these cost. He said to me, my friend, well, Charlie, that's, that's the least expensive part of this hunt, so enjoy. Anyway, I'm going to take a break right now. When I come back, I'm going to talk about a little bit about ballistics and hunting loads, an interesting dialogue taking place. I'm also going to talk about the Passalute down in South Louisiana having its 100th anniversary year. 
a place I know very well, in which I first visited in November of 1982. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert, sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are, communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology, tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Hope you're enjoying the show this morning. I'm going to change to a subject, the Passalute. That's spelled P-A-S-S, capital A-U-L-O-U-T-R-E, Pasalutra. Pasalutra is south of Venice, Louisiana. It's at the mouth of the Mississippi River, and it is one of the prime waterfowl areas in the entire continent. It's also one of the greatest fishing areas in the entire continent. It's, it's a legendary marsh, and it's a place that I first visited in November of 1982. It's celebrating its 100th anniversary. And this is what I can tell you. There's hardly anything left of what I saw now 39 years ago, almost to this date. In fact, a week from now, 39 years ago, I put my 12 and a half foot Boston Whaler loaded to the gills with a 40 horse motor, Pyro on top, 50 gallons of gasoline, enough food for a week, sleeping bag, tent, decoys into a Boston whaler, into the Mississippi River in Venice, Louisiana, I might as well have been just giving myself a death wish. It was about two o'clock in the afternoon. It was a warm November afternoon, the week before Thanksgiving. And I'm about to push off from the dock and I, I have maybe an inch of freeboard. Now there's no maps, there's no GPS, there's nothing that you could use electronically to get me to the Louisiana State Fishing Game Headquarters in the Passalute, some 12 miles down the river and a couple left turns and some back channels. And just as I'm pushing off from the dock, this guy comes up, elderly man, spits on the ground, looks at me, looks at my boat and says, if I was your pappy, I would kiss, I would kick your blank. And with that, I went down the Mississippi to meet the Passalute for the first time. So that was 40 years ago next year. It's celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. This Mecca, this place where the, the father of all waters empties into the Gulf of Mexico. It's a myriad of channels, marsh, all wildlife of a spectacular scene for me at that age, 22 years old. 
40 years ago, unbelievable. Today, I have been back. I've been back there since Hurricane Katrina wiped out the headquarters. I have gone to places where for the horizon, I could see nothing but marsh grass. And instead now I'm looking at two feet of water in the Gulf of Mexico. Miles and miles of salt marsh, freshwater marsh rather, brackish marsh has, has been lost and been reclaimed by the Gulf of Mexico as the Pasolute sinks into the Gulf of Mexico, a combination of all the oil canals that were drilled through the marsh, allowing saltwater intrusion, subsidence, hurricanes, the perfect storm. So this incredibly famous area is, is basically just a remnant of what I saw 39 years ago. And, and, and that was a remnant of what it was 60 years ago. So today, as I'm doing this show, I am thinking, will there be a 150th anniversary for the Pasolute Wildlife Management Area in South Louisiana, a place where the redfish are spectacular, where pintails sail onto the flats, where, where a combination of, of, of birds that Audubon painted, marsh birds, are in their fullest splendor from pelicans to storks to ibis. Everything you could imagine in a marsh is there. If you haven't been there, I can tell you, and I'm sure that 99.99% of you listening this morning have not been to the Passalute. I'm trying to give you a picture of what it's like. It's one of the most remote places you can go, frankly, in the lower 48. The only way to get there is by boat. So telling this story, I hope that you'll think about some of those special places we have in Illinois and other, other places in the Midwest that, too, even though they're called national wildlife refuges or state management areas, they too are imperiled. There's never been a better one than Pasolutra at the mouth of the Mississippi. If you have the chance to get in a boat in Venice, Louisiana and go down there, I, I, I recommend it with, I recommend it with caution. Go with a, go in a big boat and go, go with a guide. Neither of which I was smart enough to do at 22 years old, but to tell that gentleman if he still were around and I know he's not. I made it back, despite the fact I was in a craft that had no business being on the mighty Mississippi River, and I found my way to the Passalute. That's a story for another day. But congratulations to the Passalute, 100 years as one of our greatest national wildlife regions. Thanks so much for listening this morning. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America. I'll be back next week with much more on the great outdoors. 720 WGN.